Hey guys, what's up? It's your boy. Me and Scott are here. Say hi, Scott. What's up? And we're at the Zest Podcast. The Zest Podcast. We're going to talk about fascism in America post-World War II and its impact on life. Okay. So basically, I just want to start by saying, Scott, do you have any questions for me? Well, I want you to, I feel like the people need to know a little bit about the background of fascism and just really what it is. Well, I'm glad you asked because fasc- the fascist party and its movements came to power in several countries between 1922 and 1945. True. Like, it's pretty hard to define what it actually is, but the best definition I could come up with okay. was a government run through expression of irrationally and misdirected anger and frustration. Okay, I like that. Characteristics of fascism include leaders using fear to drive their citizens to follow a cause, no matter how unethical it could may seem. Like Hitler. Yeah, true. The Nazis, you know? Some examples of this would be Spain's fascist movement, fascist movement um, called the Falangi. Okay. Ran by Jose Antonio in 1933. Okay. I mean, it never came to power, but many of its members, like, the what? idea of fascism... They were just kind was of obsessed with obsessed it. Yeah. with the ideas of fascism and its military dictatorship policies. That's great. I learned a lot from that. And what about fascism and its influence post-World War II in America? I got you. I got you. Okay. After World War II, fascism seemed to be dead. True. A, a revival of fascism faced many obstacles, a bunch, after the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. So basically, the increasing prosperity and seemingly irreversible globalization of the world economy, Mm -hmm. that was a major thing. The triumph of individualistic consumerism Mm -hmm. and the declining availability of war as an instrument of national policy for large nations in the nuclear age were all some of the obstacles that fascism faced when trying to come back to power. Despite all this, though, you know, fascism in America has become more prevalent over time. Like, scary movements such as the Ku Klux Klan, Mm -hmm. they've all shown fascist characteristics. True. New fascism would not mainly target just Jewish people, but also just, like, more of everyone. Yeah, anti-everyone. Yeah, Yeah. anti-everyone mentality, you know? Fascism has been rooted in our political systems with efforts from radical right movements that we'll probably get to later on. Okay. Well, James, thanks for giving our audience a little bit of background of what fascism is. Of course, of course. Now let's move on and ask our expert about examples of modern-day fascist movements. Let's hear it from our special guest, Casey Riley. Casey, how are you, man? Thanks, Scott. I want to talk about an example of a fascism movement in today's society in the United States. This movement involves the neo-Nazi party and especially one called the Adam Waffen Division that lies in America. They have different beliefs than a normal person and believe that Jews, Muslims, and non-white immigrants uh, are viruses and that are corrupting the modern world. Uh, This source came from uh, Documenting Hate, the New America Nazis. Uh, That is is one fascism movement. And then there's also another neo-Nazi party that is called the, uh, called RAM, which means the Rise Above Movement. Uh, this group is a supremacist group and it also believes that people like Jews, Muslims, and non-white immigrants are corrupting a true modern world. This group has held many riots and attacked many lives and wants to make a modern world without any destructive cultural influences. This source came from uh, Rise Above Movement Anti-Defamation League. Thank you. Well, thank you, Casey, for your time. James, although this might be the case, and there are current fascist movements and organizations, for example, what Casey was talking about with the neo-Nazis, some people believe fascism doesn't even exist at all in our 
in our modern society. Yeah, true. Good point. Yes, James. According to Politico.com, a bold statement was said about how fascism can't even happen here. In this article, it mainly states that any sort of fascism cannot be successful because the American government is too large and powerful. Although people will always have a counter to a claim about anything there is, there are clearly examples of modern fascist movements and that have negative effects on the society. True. Uh, we have another special guest, Benjamin Brockman. He's going to elaborate on another example of fascist movement in modern American politics. Thank you, James. So now, guys, I'm going to be talking a little bit about a recent event that happened on U.S. soil, the insurrection on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. January 6th, every national election year, is a day where Congress verifies the election results. And in this case, it was a 2020 election between former President Donald Trump and current President Joe Biden. But the Trump supporters and Trump himself believe that the election was stolen and was a rigged election. This was proven many times to be a false narrative, but still, they believe in their leader, Trump. Trump held a rally that day to protest the verification, and it was held a few blocks down from the Capitol building. Now, this is where it gets interesting. After Trump was done speaking at his rally, his supporters decided to march down to the Capitol and have a protest. Now, this protest may have started peacefully, but it sure did not end that way. The supporters of former President Trump began to storm and eventually overthrow the Capitol Police. Eventually, this riot would come to an end when the National Guard was sent in. The point that I bring up about this in regards to fascism is that the idea of being controlled and almost brainwashed by the leader in charge. Trump put up the false narrative in the minds of several of his supporters and ended up getting five people killed. PBS North Carolina had a great article on this event as they explained the connection of fascism to the insurrection. You have the capacity of, for people of various different backgrounds to embrace fascism as an ideology, as a worldview, and I think in many respects, that's what we're dealing with here is a broad fascist movement, says Pete Simi, a sociologist and co-author of The American Swastika. This article explained a documentary on the connection to fascism and the insurrection, and it really gives an interesting take. Many people think that fascism is a part of the past and happened in the times of Adolf Hitler and Mussolini, but learning about these current connections and examples of extremist groups really should set an alarm off for several people. History isn't meant to teach us the past, and I make sure it's not repeated again, and in this case, it may be too late. Wow, thank you, Ben. In conclusion, I believe our audience has learned a lot about the rise of fascism in American politics post-World War II. Yeah, that is very true. In fact, can you tell us how this connects to the book The Wave? Of course I can, James. Mm. Firstly, The Wave is a book that is about a teacher, Ben Ross, and his students. Okay. Ben Ross teaches the students about how the Nazis came to be and teaches them about the history of Germany back then. Mm. Throughout these teachings, the students question why they would conform to being a Nazi. And back then, they believe they wouldn't conform themselves. Yeah. Well, after the teacher hears this, he decides to come up with an experiment. What's the experiment? The experiment is that he made his own organization with similar attributes as the Nazis back what? then. What? Oh, 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 oh. But not to the extremist yeah, yeah, level. Yeah, 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 yeah. He makes the group called The Wave. The Wave in the book is represented as an organization with a symbol to represent, just like the Nazis did, and a slogan and a saying, rules that you must follow, and more. Intriguing. And all of this, but the kids still didn't catch on. The wave grows and grows throughout the school, and even outside of it, without the students knowing. This all was an experiment to show them how easy it was to become a Nazi or conform. 
to a fascist movement. The wave starts to get out of hand, and the oh. kids start even beating up other kids for not joining. Damn. And at the end of the book, the teacher exposed the truth and showed the students what they became. Okay. How does it connect to anything to do with fascism? Well, James, thanks for asking. This book is based on a true story in 1969 in the history class at Palo Alto High School. This real event is one of many rise of fascist movements post-World War II, even though it was just an experiment. True. This book is supposed to represent the dangers and strengths of how easy fascist movements can start and get out of hand. Yeah, that is true. I think this now leads us to our last topic of the Zest podcast, the psychological side of fascism and all the attributes post-World War II. According to Critical Edges, the psychological of fascism and incompleteness of modern myth written by Alexander Huzenbeth. The sociological side of fascism is very important to know. Fascist movements grow so fast for many reasons. True, true, they do. They grow because fascism gives people a sense of almost like community and sense of reason. Yeah. It gives them the people structure and conforming is just an easier option for the people and will benefit them and make their life easier. Cultist. Also, a fascist movement might be growing fast, and you could even conform to it without knowing it's a fascist movement. Blindly. And that is just way, that that is what makes the psychological side of fascism just very interesting to me, you know? Yeah, I never really thought of that, actually. Can you tell some solutions so we don't co- conform to fascism and the movement in general could come to an end? Yes, I totally agree. Firstly, it is important to know that stopping fascism in American politics is very necessary Mm. because it's very possible that it could happen at any time. It is important to teach and warn kids and even adults about the threat of fascism. Spreading awareness is the first solution. Also, it is important to escape denial and realize what might be a fascist movement and stay away from that. For example, what Ben was talking about. Yeah, like one time I was in denial, but then I got out of it. True. We're always in denial sometimes, and it's important to stay away from that. I love you. Yeah, what Ben was talking about, about the January 6th movement, and how people might believe it wasn't a fascist movement, but it most definitely was. And it is important for people to realize that this, because if they don't, it will only continue. Another solution is that we need proud anti-fascist supporters. We need to strongly own anti-fascism as like a mass thing. We need both of us and our community to just be against fascism. We gotta unite. Exactly. And protests will help and other movements like that. Lastly, everyone needs to be united to stop fascism. We need to learn from our mistakes in the past and everyone should strongly support and make sure no more fascism grows in America again. I appreciate that. I think our listeners have a way better understanding now about the solutions and the psychological side of fascism. Yes. Thank you, James. I think so, too. Well, that concludes our podcast, and I hope you learned a little bit more about fascism in American politics post-World War II. Thank you for listening to the Zest podcast. We out, cut. It's been your host, Scott Wilds. And James Taddeo. Zesty, delicious for life.